Welcome to Survive and Thrive, Panda's podcast for expecting a new parents. My name's Alice, and in this episode, we're talking about relationships. When you're expecting or a new parent, the big changes that come with that will affect everyone in your family. Of course, there can be lots of good things and good feelings for the family, maybe excitement and some cuddles with a cute new baby. But challenges and tricky feelings are also very common and definitely not as much talked about. Everyone's families really do look different. If you have a partner, then during this time, your relationship with your partner will change, whether you're the birth or non-birth parent. There's often an expectation that this will be a time of closeness, total joy and togetherness with your partner. But there are lots of trickier feelings that often come up for people as well. You might miss your partner and feel a loss of intimacy or a loss of time together. You might find yourself arguing about maybe values, about different parenting decisions. You might be bored of only talking to each other and only talking about parenting and baby things. It can be a really stressful time. And it can feel hard to talk about issues in your relationship when there's so much else going on. Your relationships with family members and friends are also really important for a lot of people. And these relationships can also be affected by many of the same challenges. Dealing with such big changes in your life and your relationships is never easy. We have an amazing guest today, Brie, who is generously going to share her and her partner's experiences and her own insights and practical tips on working through those challenges. Thanks so much for joining us, Brie. Thank you for having me. So I guess to get started, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm a mum of three girls. I've always wanted to be a mum. That was my main goal in life. And I've got um, quite a big age gap with the the last one. So I've got a four-year-old, I've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. And yeah, so I'm just busy being a mum. I've got my own business on the side um, and I volunteer for Panda. And we're so lucky to have you. (laughs) And I love doing it. So you've got three beautiful daughters. Before... You had your first daughter. Did you have expectations going in about how parenthood would affect your relationship with your partner? No, I really didn't. I just thought it would bring us closer, to be honest. I just thought this is going to, you know, this is the next step in life where, you know, we're so excited. We're going to have this baby and we're just going to have the best relationship. And I didn't think any negative thoughts at all towards my husband, like that, that it might cause, you know. Yeah. And I think that is like, that's, I guess, its own form of expectation that we is very common, right? Like that's a big part, I think, of um, how we think about birth. It will bring partners close together and there's nothing else to worry about. Absolutely. Which can potentially set you up to be a bit blindsided. Yeah, for sure. So I guess with those expectations, were there then unexpected challenges? Yeah, for sure. And I think I don't remember so much with the first two. I think that we sort of dealt with that quite well. But when my third daughter came along, that's when it really hit me with um, the expectations because I'd had the first two daughters. I think that I was expecting my husband to be on board like he was with the first two. It was quite, you know, um, helping me with baths and feeding the kids and all that sort of thing. But he was actually put on a really big role at that stage. He's got his own business and he became, yeah, it was just really, really busy. Um, So 
with the, I actually struggled having the three girls by myself and, um, yeah, was really expecting him to be the same dad as he was with the first two. I think that I actually got a little bit of a resentment around my husband at that time and um, my daughter was quite unwell for the first to six to eight weeks. She was lactose intolerant, unbeknownst to me. But I thought, this baby just cries all the time and, you know, and when he would come home from work, I actually just wanted him to take the baby off me. I just was so desperate for that relief and he was really good and he said to me, you know, I'll take the two girls, but I'm like, I don't want you to take the two girls. I want you to take the baby. I want you to take the baby. I'll take the two girls. And so I actually think he thought in his mind that he was doing this, you know, I'm helping you out. I'm taking the two girls to the activities or whatever. But I was just so desperate for the break with the baby. Um, So that's what I found really challenging. And what I didn't do was communicate. Our biggest, biggest problem was communication. I was getting resentful. And he was thinking, what is wrong with you? And we just lost communication. So, um, and I actually just formed into this um, this cycle of not talking and not communicating, me being resentful. He's thinking, I've got a problem. What's wrong with you? And he not communicating back with me. And it just went on for months and months. And to the point that I thought, oh my God, we're actually not meant to be together anymore. This is not working. Um, so yeah, we we engaged in a, a marriage therapist and without a doubt, that was the best thing that we ever did. That's amazing. And can I just say, like, that's a really, a really uh, courageous thing to do, especially when I'm sure you were both so exhausted by this point, newborn, two other kids, he's got a new job. That's a really big step to take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and he was very much against it. He did not <laughs> want to do it at all. But I thought, no, we, we have got something you know, that's worth fighting for. And um, and I didn't think that we could ever get back to the place that we were before kids or even before the last daughter. But 100% it helped us so much. So uh, I strongly <laughs> recommend if you think that you're, you know, in that verge and just, yeah, need some extra support, that's what they're there for. And it just brought us so much closer and we were able to communicate in a way that we weren't able to do at home. So, you know, the therapist got so much out of us, I think. That sounds so amazing. And what did you what did you learn out of family therapy? Was just mainly the communication. Like we just need to communicate what's going on. If I had actually said to my husband when he walked in the door, hey, I'm desperate for a break, can you take the baby? Then maybe he would have. But I was just assuming and I think that a lot of the time I have done that, I've assumed that he knows what I'm feeling and what I'm, you know, um, being upset with the baby all day. She's crying, I'm crying, and I'm just expecting him to know that without even communicating with him. And um, and I really, that's what I should have done. And he should have, you know, also communicated with me saying, hey, I don't know what's going on. How do I know what, what you're feeling? Why are you so angry? And being able to have that open conversation. Mm. So talking about both, I guess, his worries and your feelings, your needs, was really what it took to bring you back together. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds so simple, right? You're like, why can't we just talk about it? But we just, I think both of us just became these resentful people of each other. 
you know, even to the point that I was like, he's going out and having a coffee on his own. I would love to have a coffee on my own. Um, You know, talking to people, I'm quite an extrovert, so I really struggled not seeing people during the day. Yeah, I was just even resentful of that. You get to see people and talk to people. I want that, you know. And instead of, yeah, again, just communicating, I would love to go and spend some time with friends on my own. Can you take the baby? And, you know, um, yeah, things like that I really felt like I, yeah, just didn't communicate it. I love that you say that it sounds simple because I think so many people listening would relate to what you're talking about and also about how something that sounds deceptively simple is actually the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't know why I have found it so hard to communicate. I think most of us do. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's so interesting that I think a lot of people expect that if things are going to happen, if you're going to have challenges, if you're going to have things you need to work on, it's going to happen with the first baby. Mm. And then if you get through that, then you're totally fine and everything's going to go smoothly. And that's often not the case. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I've suffered with mental illness, depression and anxiety for a number of years. So I was actually scared of that with my firstborn. And because I didn't get it with the first two, I thought, oh, well, I won't get it with a third because I cruised through that. So, yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system when I when I found out that I did have postnatal with a third. And it makes so much sense because, as you said, both of your lives were changing. Mm-hmm. And even the presence of two older girls is a new factor in this, a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I think that there were so many pros and cons to having the older two because they were able to, you know, help and get the nappies and, and hold her and all that sort of thing. But because there was that massive age gap, I had to go back to the sleepless nights and, um and I was probably used to having a full night's sleep again, you know, again after that many years. So there was definitely pros and cons in in having that as that big age gap. I think that's such a good point. So many people have an age gap between their kids. Yeah. And people don't often talk about like what that can mean that, yeah. like you said, you sort of you really have had time to think about how rough it was, the little amount of sleep that you get, how exhausting it was. And you're kind of like, that was a nice, I mean, that was a great time in my life. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. But now I've moved on and I love sleeping. Yeah, I love getting enough sleep to function. Yeah, That is such a big thing when you really understand what you're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even, you know, the things about, you know, putting the baby in the car and then like getting her out of the car seat to go to the supermarket. Like I didn't have to do that with the older two. They put their own seatbelts on and just going back to those simple little things again and making, I was formula fed my babies. So making sure that I had enough formula and um, enough change of clothes and, you know, the things that I just completely slipped out of, you know, over that six year period. But when I think back, my two older girls were eight, uh, 22 months apart. So they were actually they're both in nappies, they're both on bottles and things like that. That was a really tiring time. But it, it was done um, in a few years. We were over and done with, if that makes sense. So then, you know, yeah, just going back into that, I was. I think I was a bit shell-shocked, to be honest. Yeah, to go back into that, um, yeah, the sleepless nights and the formula feeds and waking up and all that sort of thing. That makes so much sense. You'd only just kind of had a little bit of time to enjoy life. Yes. And get yes. back some of those things, I imagine, that I think most people have to give up when you have a very new babies the first couple of years and you can't really do some of the things that are really good for your well-being and help you enjoy life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
one of the biggest mistakes that I was, I made was just being a martyr, not asking for help, not saying, hey, I need some help. I need, can someone just mind the baby and nurse her or take her for a walk so I can have a sleep or I can go get a coffee on my own? I just thought I have to do it all. I'm the mum. This is my responsibility, you know, um, and I found it really hard to ask for help. That was, yeah, definitely one of my biggest flaws, I think. I think that's so, so common, though. I think there's a lot of pressure for the mum specifically to be the perfect mother and take it all on and not only do it all, but effortlessly. Yeah. It should just come naturally and you should be in bliss about it and not have any struggles. Yeah. And that's a huge amount of pressure to put on one human being. Yeah, absolutely. It is. We really need to share the load and get people to help us in. I I think I joined a mother's group with my first daughter, which I absolutely loved. And I'm still friends today with a few of them. And um, I actually asked if I could join a mother's group with my third daughter because I knew that I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people. And they said I couldn't. They said, no, you can't because, you know, you know a lot more than the other moms and it's not really fair. And I really think that part of the postnatal depression was not having that connection with people. I really felt isolated with the third baby. A lot of the mums that I'd met through my mother's group had gone back to work with my first two. So I really felt alone. And I think if I'd had that support or that mother's group around me, maybe I would have got through it a lot better and just having that communication. So I found that really hard as well. Do you think there are things even outside of the relationship then that are good for expecting on your parents to do to look after themselves, to help give themselves the energy to then look at and work on issues in their relationship. Oh, absolutely. I think that, it, you know, self-care and self-compassion is so, so big. I really think that we need to put ourselves first to be able to look after our kids and our husbands and, you know, all our family and friends because when we don't, that's when we suffer, when our whole family, that ripple effect, I think. So it's really important to put some things in place and whether that's, you know, reaching out to grandparents or friends and family and just even you can start with one day a week or one night and just say, I really need some time out. And whether that's for you and your husband to go out for dinner or whether that's just you going to have a massage or do something, I I so believe in self-care um, and, yeah, and having self-compassion for yourself. And I always, I say this now, like, imagine if your friend came to you with your sort of issues, what would you say to her? And I think that that's so important to to keep reminding yourself, you know, you're doing the best thing, you're doing your best you can, but you can ask for help and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a lovely framing because sometimes we are receiving judgment from other people in our lives, but often we're also judging ourselves very harshly. I really do believe we're our own worst critics sometimes. We really are just that negative self-talk. And when I think about how many times I used to berate myself, why can't you get, you know, your stuff together, Brie? Like you've got three kids, come on, you can do this. The two ones are older, like what is wrong with you? All those times that I was, you know, that self-negative talk, was not one bit helpful. Yeah, and I think we do that a lot to ourselves, unfortunately. I think what you're saying rings so true that you have to put yourself first, which is absolutely not an easy thing to do. Mm. But I think most parents, you know, I think so many people, we're so connected usually 
you know, you talk about being an extrovert, and I think a lot of us are really connected to our partners, maybe to the to the wider family, to friends, to the community, and it can feel like a real drive to care and to give to those people around us who we care about. But if you don't put yourself first when you need to, then you won't have that energy and eventually the energy that you have will run dry. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, I was just so depleted. I was really, really depleted. And I think because I just kept putting myself last, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the mum. So these three kids, they're the most important thing. And then my husband and I remember him saying, you don't even – you don't even give me anything anymore. I just walk in and you don't even say hello. And I'm like, I'm so busy with these three kids and now you want more stuff from me as well. Like I kept giving and giving and I felt like I just wasn't enough for all three of them, let alone myself. So I definitely put myself last and, you know, and hence the the breakdown. And by putting yourself first, I think it can feel selfish. I think that's sometimes what we feel and there's some resistance around that. But if you are able to do that and like you said, like think about what you need and share that and take some time for yourself, even just little five minutes, like when you've got a new baby, of course, it's so hard, but little bits make a difference. And then hopefully you'll get to the point where you can have energy and make time to really sit down and think about what's happening in my relationship and what do I need and what does my partner need? I think since I started putting self-care practices in place, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my husband, my friends, everything has just been so much better for it because I feel I feel rejuvenated. I feel that it's a ripple effect again. I feel like my kids get this happy mom, my husband gets this happy wife and we're able to connect on a deeper level without me being completely frustrated at the situation and resentful of everybody. And it's definitely been a game changer by putting self-care practices in place. That's huge. Yeah. And so can I ask, what has your relationship with your husband been like after you went to marriage counselling? A hundred percent, even better than I ever thought before. A hundred percent. We actually make time for ourselves. We have date nights. We're more connected with the kids. We're doing family things. And I've definitely put being present in the moment a lot. Um, I've done a lot of mindfulness over the last three years, putting that into practice. So just being in that present moment and just trying to enjoy ourselves. Um, so yeah, I are a hundred percent better. Yeah. So it's been amazing talking with you. If you had to share one message with expecting new parents, what would it be? First of all, you know, you're not alone in this. You're absolutely not alone. And ask for help. There's so many resources out there that can help us. And, you know, um, even friends, family, you can, you can actually ask them. And nine times out of the ten, they love to help. We love to help people. That's what we love to do. So, you know, asking for help and, yeah, getting those resources in. Such fantastic messages. I think that's pretty much the perfect note to end on. So I just want to say thank you so much again for talking with me today, Brie. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Like Brie and I talked about, looking after your own well-being first is really, really crucial. You need to be looked after before you can look after your relationship and your family and the community. So this might mean making time for your own self-care as much as you can. Uh, You might find that some of our bonus episodes might help. 
And then making time for your relationship can come after that. Once you've figured out a new routine maybe with your baby and how you can get that time to be able to have a good conversation and talk with your partner. Another thing that Brie highlighted, which is really key, is to practice communication skills. You know, a lot of us are adults and we we do have communication skills. There's a really specific context to be communicating with your partner or a family member. So that could involve planning for conversations and how you want to handle moments of conflict or how you want to handle when you don't feel like you can talk respectfully, which can happen as well, whether that's walking away, letting the other person walk away, taking a breather and coming back together. These things are skills. They're not easy. So practice can make perfect. Finally, trying to be kind and forgiving with yourself. It's very challenging to look after yourself, your relationship and your family while handling all the changes of bringing a new baby into your life. You're working hard, so if you're struggling in any of your relationships, please be gentle with yourself about it. Finally, it's important to mention that there's a risk during this time in your life that family violence will get worse or it may start for the first time. It's important that during this difficult time, everyone in your household is communicating respectfully and that you feel safe. If you're worried about safety in your relationship, support is available. You can talk to Panda. I'm going to read the Panda helpline details at the end of this episode, or you can find them right there in the show notes. There's also more info and resources in those show notes, so go ahead and check that out. Thank you again so much to Brie for joining us and sharing her experiences and insights. If you or someone you know needs help, you can reach Panda through our website, panda.org.au, or call the Panda Helpline on 1300-726-306 between 9am and 7.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, Monday to Friday. If you need help outside those hours, you can call Lifeline 24-7 at 13-1114 or check the show notes for more helpful services. Survive and Thrive is a Panda podcast, worked on by the Panda team and produced and edited by Stupid Old Studios in Brunswick. This podcast was recorded and produced on the land of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and never ceased, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Thank you for listening to Survive and Thrive.